I must say that this is a difficult passage with Jesus saying things such as, I came to cast fire on the earth and that he had come not to bring peace, but division, dividing even the closest of families apart. Luke, here in the verses 49 through 53 of the 12th chapter of his accounting of the gospel, gives us information to carefully consider, but it is hard to think of Jesus as the Prince of Peace and his own saying that he brings not peace, but division. In reviewing what some of the great saints have said about this passage, they too struggled with the words of Jesus and turned to trying to make his startling statement more agreeable. St. Cyril of Alexandria, for example, ignored the idea of not peace but division and gave the fire a positive spin when he explained, We affirm, therefore, that the fire which is sent forth by Christ is for men's salvation and profit. God grant that all our hearts may be full thereof. For the fire here is, I say, the saving message of the gospel and the power of its commandments, by which all of us upon earth, who were, so to speak, cold and dead because of sin, and in ignorance of him who by nature and truly is God, are kindled unto a life of piety and made fervent in spirit, according to the expression of the blessed Paul. And besides this, we are also made partakers of the Holy Ghost, who is as fire within us. It is certainly true that the gospel can be referred to as a fire, kindled to save humanity, and the Holy Spirit is represented by fire, but Cyril's commentary ignores that Jesus is openly saying that the gospel, his message, will bring conflict. That every day in the world there are people separated from each other as a result of conflict, and that conflict originates in the faith. Those who believe and those who do not believe will be separated from each other. Jesus says it will cause strife in society and will cause divisions even among the closest friends and the closest of family members. We have seen it. In the days of the immediately following the resurrection, the entire world was set aflame by the fervent preaching of the apostles. A persecution soon came and Christians were gathered up and martyred. Remember, to be martyred is to be murdered for your faith. It is still happening. The organization Voice of the Martyrs keeps track of these things, and even secular sources admit that there are more Christians being killed for their faith today than in any other time of history. But it is happening within countries without free press or without a press at all, so these facts are not in front of us each day. Families divided. Families were divided then and families are divided now. It happened then. It happened in Soviet Russia. And it's happening today in Middle Eastern countries. Family members who report one another to the authorities for being Christians, resulting in the arrest and martyrdom of the Christians. Thankfully, here in the United States, the family division is typically whether people spend holidays or other family functions together or not. We even see those who are supposed to be Christian attacking and smearing each other 
rather than working in unity as Christ called us to do. These are real outcomes of the spreading of the gospel and the conversion of people to Christ and how, as sinful human beings, we react towards each other in the process. The truth is there is a lot of conflict in the world, but I do not want to talk about conflict, at least not directly. Instead, I'd like to draw your attention to the epistle reading found in Hebrews chapter 12, just the first four verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. In other words, yes, there will be conflict, but think first of our Savior who has suffered for us. Yes, there will be struggles, but we have not been put to death. We have not been called to shed our blood. Yes, the world will try to weigh us down, but run with endurance and do not grow weary or faint-hearted. Yes, these various trials we each go through, especially those created by wrongful accusation, are hurtful, some terribly, but we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses to help us in our hours of need. Why does the church include statuary of the different saints, and why are they placed along the walls high up near the ceiling? They are here and where they are, high up, not to look down on us and make us feel guilty, as I have heard many say over the years. They are where they are to remind us of this passage. They are representing the great cloud of witnesses. I will not mention them all, but here as part of our cloud of witnesses, we have St. Teresa of Lisieux, who suffered and struggled physically with tuberculosis from a young age and died of 24. We have St. Michael the Archangel, who the book of Revelation explains led the angelic army against Satan and forced him out of heaven. He stands on Satan's head with a sword drawn, ready to continue the spiritual warfare. We have Our Lady of Sorrows, the Blessed Virgin Mary, to whom, when Jesus was presented in the temple, the righteous and devout Simeon blessed them and said, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there is, of course, most importantly, Jesus. Jesus is here depicted, resurrected, and showing his scars. His scars to prove who it is, that it is, that it is he who suffered for us, even in our darkest of days. The scars that each of the disciples who were present, only ten at the first, were told to touch. And Thomas, who was not there at the first, demanded to touch when he did see Jesus. Scars the Archbishop Sheen told us to be watching for to prevent us from being deceived when he said, Our Lord said that he, speaking of Satan, would appear so much like him, speaking of Jesus, that if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived, 
But if Satan works miracles, if he lays his hands gently on children, if he appears benign and a lover of the poor, how will we know him from Christ? Satan will have no scars on his hands or feet or side. He will appear as a priest, but not as a victim. There are so many who will promise a better life. They present themselves as priests of peace, comfort, and enjoyment. If only you will surrender your faith for their scheme they offer. They offer illusions, fantasy visions, the promise of freedom, but it is only a trap. They have no scars. They will not suffer for anybody, especially not for the person who is hurting. But here in our representation of Jesus, just as important as the scars that prove Jesus' willingness to sacrifice himself for us is the depiction of his sacred heart there for us to plainly see. We see the sacred heart of Jesus, the physical depiction of God's love for us, which was pierced by the Roman spear that poured forth both Jesus' blood and also water. The water and blood flowing from the side of Christ from his pierced sacred heart, has been since the earliest of Christians recognized as representing to us baptism in the Eucharist, Jesus' ongoing presence with us. The Cardinal Archbishop of Westminster, Henry Edward Manning, wrote that it is the very river of life come down through the sacred heart of Jesus and from him has spread to all nations. The river of life, the living of the living water, from which we can, like the woman at the well who was exhausted from her tormented life, drink and never thirst. No matter your struggle, embrace the great cloud of witnesses who pray for us. Remember that God's angelic army battles against the spiritual enemy, the source of all evil and sin, on our behalf. Know that, even though it causes sorrows, ultimately every heart is revealed for its truth. And drink deep from the river of life, flowing from the sacred heart of Jesus, who endured all the world's hostility and conflict so that you may have strength to not grow weary or faint-hearted. Amen.